Welcome to the Waking Up to Money podcast. This is a podcast for freelancers and founders, coaches, consultants, and companies of one who want to learn how to price their services with more confidence and clarity. We believe that to price more powerfully, you need to have a more powerful relationship with money. This means being more aware of the role money plays in your life, not only in the tangible day-to-day transactions, but also in the intangible feelings and beliefs we unconsciously carry with us. With these podcasts, we not only share tactics and strategies for pricing well, we also raise your awareness of one of the biggest obstacles to getting paid your worth. You. You are worth more than you think, and by working through your relationship with money, you'll learn that you don't have to work so hard. This is season three of the podcast, and we've now completed two versions of our Happy Pricing course. We're learning more and more about the challenges you face and the best ways to overcome them. These podcasts are recorded live and we encourage our live listeners to ask their questions and sometimes even join us on the mic. In this way, we bring you real situations and offer real solutions. It isn't just all theory. Join us live or just enjoy the recordings. Either way, we hope you'll learn how to price more purposefully so that you can make the impact you want while creating more ease in your business. Enjoy. Uh, we might as well do the introductions live, uh, and then um, it's, it's not so much repeating ourselves. Um, yeah, so why don't you, uh, well, firstly, for, for those of you who are listening, we will be kicking off in earnest in a bit. Hi, uh, Stellian and Eleanor are here with us. Uh, we had Zoe and Helen. Uh, they had other things to do. They've gone away. Oh, more for you. them off with your greetings. I know, and I really need to tone it down. My kids are just—they—they've been slating me for doing these things. It's like, Daddy, why the false laugh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, you go to school. Thank you very much. That's yeah, enough. That's well, all I hear is you laughing like really fakely in the other room, Daddy. Okay, whatever. Very rude, children. <laughs> Very rude. I know kids just entitled back in the day. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, look, before we kick off, Ben, why don't you uh, um, give a brief introduction uh, to Nicola um, for, you know, just so she gets a better feel for who you are and what you do at the moment? Okie dokes. Well, hello, Nicola. Hello, Ben. <laughs> um, so, yes, as uh, Carla said, I also. Um, have done are you still doing the the 2020 program or have you done it well we have our ceremony today oh so you yeah. are you are soon to be released into the world simply graduates <laughs> yes so yes yeah, so uh, i graduated gown and certificate and all of the necessary accompaniments um probably about this time last year i guess um, yeah. so we were the early part of last year um and uh, i've known Carlos and Lawrence for a few years now, mainly kind of via Brighton Circle. So I also live live in Brighton uh, and uh, had kind of met them a few years ago, not long after selling my last company and was I've sort of spent kind of several years kind of uh, sort of flouncing around quite a few full starts, few cul-de-sacs, trying a few different things. Some things worked out, some things not worked out. Um, and now I do a range of different things. So one, these things with Carlos, uh, these these kind of webinars, and we also run a training program, uh, Happy Pricing, which was really a kind of one of the the um, takeout, the sort of takeaways I got from 2020 was actually the opportunity to start taking some of the stuff that was in my head and just getting it out into the world, as much to create some more space in my head for new things to start to come in. And uh, so one of the one of the bits of knowledge which was useful to get out of my head was a lot of this information around kind of money and pricing because it had been a really important part of how I'd run my last business was kind of really understanding the role that kind of money played and the role that price played in kind of how people how easy it was or not for people to choose to work with us. So when we're selling things to clients, you know what role money and price plays. And so I spent a lot of time kind of thinking about that and kind of working with that. And like I said, that had become an important part of of how we ran ran the business. And then coming out of the 2020 program for me, this idea of actually you know just starting to take some of the things that were in my head and get them out into the world. Like I said, maybe to kind of create space for new things to come in. And this pricing endeavor, this little pricing adventure, is one of those things. 
Uh, so I do this, and then there's a range of other things. I also partly own a platform that provides meditation courses, and I also do work with a number of other kind of businesses uh, in a in a one-to-one capacity. So a kind of whole range of uh, different things, this being one. Nice one, Ben. You're a busy man. Pardon? You're a busy man. <laughs> well, actually, no. Actually, I'm not very busy, intentionally. I really don't like being very busy, so I'm not too busy. And then you, the, you know, the umbrella of all of this, just to, for me anyway, the context that I have is Buddha in the boardroom, and this is the the story and the and the that I understood about Ben's work around how do we bring that kind of mentality, that kind of way of looking at the world, to the world of business, um, and the way I see Ben's what Ben's doing, particularly with the pricing, is this is just like a sliver of a wider thing. But there's, I saw an opportunity to actually oh, we'll put this out into the world and with, with us because I think it's a useful thing. And it, I think it is in service to, to the wider mission and the broader things that he, he likes to do. Uh, and given that as well, I thought there's a connection here, I think, with you. So, Nicola, maybe a little bit of an introduction about you, what you do, and, yeah, anything that you feel that is relevant for, for this, uh, this conversation. Okay. Um, so I... I predominantly have worked in people and talent um, as a professional career and then um, I also qualified as a, as a psychotherapist I'm an integrative psychotherapist so uh, the reason I did that I mean it's very easy to say um, well because I work in people and talent I'm really interested in people but the the truth is is that I had a really positive experience myself going through therapy and it kind of gave me a kernel of an idea of maybe one day could I possibly do that so while I worked full-time I did a master's um, in psychotherapy and had three children. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. Um, but the but the lens was always uh, where I made most of my money was in the people and talents. I kind of rode raised through the ranks and ended up as chief people officer for um, uh, communications and, and advertising holding company. And then last year. Um, I've kind of switched that around. So I'm now more about psychotherapy, coaching, and um, doing some consultancy work. But I, I came up with this, <clears throat> again, as part of the process, a part of the happy startup, I came up with this kernel of an idea of if I could weave together what my commercial experience, the fact that I've been doing psychotherapy and also energy psychology for a number of years now, and the pandemic, the fact that now people are beginning to come back into the real world, whatever that is, um, and in more and more frequently, we're going to be meeting people again, we're going to be traveling again, and there's going to be pressure from companies to get their people back. Um, so how can I support people to through using energy to help them to feel more in control? So whether that's they're on the tube again and somebody's not wearing a mask, well, that might all go by the wayside the mask bit, but somebody's acting strangely or they're in a boardroom and somebody's throwing them off their game or the kids are driving them mad or just and and as a daily practice as well. So um, I've developed a, a taster session. And then from that, I want to, I am developing um, different courses depending on what the need is, because I can flex it accordingly. So I think there's different kind of layers to my offering, um, the portfolio of things that I can do. But I guess for the purpose of this session, it's really concentrating on those energy um, programs um, and potential one-to-one -one coaching around that. Brilliant. <clears throat> cool. So there's uh, there's something... That you want to offer you have an offering that you believe in and you're just trying to put understand how to put a number onto that thing when you approach the client so that 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 makes sense as a something that they would buy and something that also would mean it's worthwhile for you i would assume as well you know there's a there's a reason that um you you want to do that other than just create some benefit for these people um for the so for those of you listening we're uh, going to follow this kind of Broad structure. Uh, the way I put it, Ben's kind of like inspired me to, to put this into a structure. We're going to start with who. Uh, this idea of like, okay, who are these people that you want to sell? What do you get, get an understanding of these clients? What? What is it that, what problems are they facing? What problems are they needing to solve? You know, what's the, uh, we're going to talk about the good feelings and solutions that they may be looking for. Um, why? Uh, and when I say why, is like, why would I spend money on this? What is it that's, you know, the, as Ben puts it, 
what's the cost of not doing this work? And so we're going to tackle that as a, a little bit of exploration, and then we'll talk about how much. <laughs> yeah. So it's a liberal way, who, what, why, and how, I thought it was a, as a way of, of uh, expressing that. Um, so I'm going to hand over to Ben, uh, and maybe, I don't know, prompt for some questions around uh, the who. Thanks, Carlos. Um, and I'm going to hand over to Nicola, because actually the most important view here is is kind of Nicola. So I, I guess within the, the sort of rough uh, framework which which Carlos sort of set out there, I think, uh, Carlos, did you say first who? Who was first? Yeah, exactly. Yes. I think we, we know who she is. Yeah. <laughs> do you though? Do you really? <laughs> oh, I think that's a whole different podcast. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I guess I'm I'm kind of curious in in the first instance, um, who you know, because I, I know you're you're talking about different, you're you're exploring different things, maybe selling to companies, maybe selling to individuals within companies. But I think we were sort of going to talk about the the, the selling to companies as a as a as a focus for this conversation and so I'm, I'm kind of curious you know is there is there a certain type of who what kind of companies might you want to be selling to i was going to tap my network um so i've worked predominantly for the last 15 years in creative agencies the creative industry um so the alumni of people that i've worked with are now all sitting as founders ceos ecds senior hr people um, and so I was going to use my network um, that way and go directly to the people that are the decision makers that hold the budgets um, and talk to them about the need. And then the second who would be obviously the participants. Mm -hmm. So my first focus isn't about building a community and seeing who comes. It's more about going directly to companies and saying, I believe this is a need for you. These are the reasons why. And this is what I can do. So that was my mm. that was my initial thought. And so um, within the within the network, is there a, a sort of typical size of those agencies, or is there quite divergent? Some very small, some very big. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing a session next Wednesday, and they're an agency of ten people. Um, and I guess that also depends on whether it's actually in person or whether it's online, because obviously online, you know, at the moment it feels like it can be anywhere any anyone at any time um whereas um if it's in in a, a building somewhere depending on restrictions as well about space etc then that might limit numbers um mm -hmm. so for me the agencies that i've worked with predominantly have been a combination of mm, probably the smallest agency has been about 25 people and the largest agency has been a couple of hundred mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so they they, they kind of in in, term, in kind of money terms, their their revenues of everything from like a few million to tens of millions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so quite quite di quite diverse, quite quite a range in there. Yeah. And uh, okay, so if so that that's some understanding of the kind of who. So um, sort of explain to me again the the kind of need as you see it. What's what's the what's the what, what's the problem? that is being solved? I think I think the problem is, is that um, over the last 16 months, I don't think anyone can say they're having the best, best life. I think we've we've all we all kind of go through this, this spectrum of, of, you know, from flourishing to languishing and then to you know being being some people have been really in trouble and had some serious mental health um, problems and challenges. So I'm interested in the languishing spot. I'm interested in from a productivity, from a creativity, from a general well-being, um, that's the ask. I think that's the that's the why that your people you're asking your people to come back together, um, and they've had they've had a tough time. And I think there's a moment in time now where they're looking at their lives, thinking, "How am I going to do this all again?" Because I believe that we were all a bit on autopilot before the pandemic. I certainly was. I would just get up in the morning and throw myself at the day. And I was out of my house from eight in the morning till seven at night, you know, and whatever, whatever came, came. And that's where I was. And I'd get on the patched tube of the Victoria line and, you know, I would just I would just shut myself down and, you know, tolerate it. And I think now a lot of people are looking at that going, I don't want to do that anymore. And I don't know any company that's requiring their people to come back five days a week. So there's a real opportunity of hybrid working and there's a real opportunity of reconnection. So I think for me, it's the why of, you know, 
you want your people to feel that they're thought about, they're cared for, that you, the bigger companies will have a wellness programme in place anyway, they will have a budget against that. This is a way of having um, a marker to say, we do care about you, we do think about you. Here's, here's something we can do together. Let's learn some tools to be better um, mentally, physically, productively, creatively. Um, and you can take those away um, and you can do them yourself as well. You don't need somebody there to coach you through it. Mm-hmm. So that's my belief. Um, and I've obviously asked around. It's not like sort of sat in isolation of my bedroom and gone, mm, what do I think? <laughs> so um, that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing from the people that I'm talking to. And, you know, as I go out to market, I'll find out more and more. Mm-hmm. Cool. And is your is, uh, probably a question would have been useful for us to ask actually at the beginning is is the kind of is the main thing that you're kind of wrestling with now is just trying to understand broadly what kind of number you might put on this work? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and I can do that, but I mean, there's other people in the market, so there's competitors out there. But I feel that. I feel that I have a different offering because I, because of my commercial background and my psychotherapy background and, and then the energy work that I'm doing. So it's kind of a combination of everything. Mm. So, um, you know, I can see this in, I mean, I already do energy work with my therapy clients, so I can see this as a coaching model on a one-to-one basis. I can also see it as workshops. Um, I can see it as a taster session. And then ultimately I'd like to digitalize it um, mm. and bring the community together that way. Um, but first of all, I really want to test it out in the real world with real people, mm-hmm. get some real feedback, get some testimonials, and then you know, and then iterate, and then and then go again. So that's the idea. And just out of curiosity, if we kind of went to the end of the thing that we were talking about, to to the money bit, how mm. would you start thinking about the money bit? What would be your start point for that? I think I'd, depending on what product we're talking about. So if we're talking about one to one, then I'd look at my time. So what what I would cost my time out at. If we're looking at a workshop, I guess I'd look at time and participation, how many participants are being covered for this amount of money. Um, And then a taster session will be a shorter version. It's 45 minutes. So it's less of my time, whereas a two-hour workshop. So I guess it's a combination of time and how many people are attending. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have some thoughts on that. Sorry? You're going to have some thoughts on that. Well, it's always just a kind of curious thing. So, I mean, how would you work out your time? What's your time worth? Um, I kind of worked it out on a, on a salary, what, what my salary was and what I expect. And, and that's a kind of a starter for 10. And then, um, yeah, because also what I'd like to do once I digitalize it is be able to gift the program to people that couldn't afford it as well. Um, so it's it, there's that piece to it, but I need to get it right first of all. So mm. yeah, that's how I thought. What's my time worth? It also depends on what I'm learning. So the taster session on Wednesday, the deal is is that they give me honest, open feedback and some testimonials. So that's a slightly different relationship. You know, I need to get I need to get it tested out in the real world, and um, because they're supporting me in that way, then obviously the cost is is very much reduced compared to you know when it's when i feel that it, it actually that's the product that's the right product and let's go now so because mm. the thing is like sort of even basing it on the sort of salary what if the work is worth much much more than that mm. what happens then yeah i mean that that is the goal the goal is that i earn more than i did um but i think in this kind of testing phase and establishment phase then i'm thinking about it's a combination of what am I learning from this experience? What can I get from this experience in, in ways of, pro, you know, product testimonials and learning for me? Because I'm learning as well, because I want to iterate it and make it right. Um, but, yeah, the ultimate goal is that, yeah, um, I own more than I did, for sure. Because hmm. I guess the thing is for different, given that you sort of articulated there are different different sizes of company. Mm. So in some respects, the cost of the problem varies yeah. for each of those companies yeah. and so in, to what extent do you think it's important to reflect that in um the conversations you're having with them commercially and i guess this is about thinking thinking beyond like these first couple where 
you feel like you are sort of getting the credentials and the, the testimonials, although there's probably a, probably worth having a conversation around that. But in terms of when this is a when the, you know when this is a, a kind of functioning thing in the marketplace, to what extent do you see the value of what you're doing differs to different companies? I think it would be more about the budget that they have. And, you know, mm-hmm. exactly as you say, I mean, I know that you know the bigger companies are going to have a bigger budget, and the smaller companies per person are going to have a smaller budget. So again, it's how I package it, um, and whether it's a it, it's a experience where we're all together in a room, and then of course there's travel costs and there's potential hiring of rooms, etc. Compared to if we're all meeting virtually, um, where you know the cost is minimal. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good that's a good point around. For me, it's it's the budget that I'm walking, kind of walking into, as mm-hmm. well. Um, uh, yeah, and this and how many people I can I and what the format of the session is. So how many people I'm reaching because that's what they'll be thinking. You know, when I was talking to somebody recently and they had a, sim- a similar thing, and it was it was virtual and they invited clients. So it was a good experience of the team and the clients having the same experience. That's quite a bonding experience. So for them, it wasn't it wasn't only their wellness program budget. It was also their you know in a way client entertainment client experience budget. Um, so I think that you know there's different. I know I know because I was the person who used to have the budget um, of all the different pots that that agencies have and and who controls those pots and mm. have a say in how they get spent. And if you can start dialing it up to well, it's going to be a client experience and it's going to be the team and the clients together, then I think that's a, a different pot gets opened. Mm. So that's interesting. So that's, that's potentially a kind of useful sort of segue to the, the, one of the things that we sort of, which Carlos mentioned earlier and we sort of talk about in the course is that, so clients are only ever buying two things. They're buying good feelings and solutions to problems. Uh, and so you, you kind of articulated a few of those things there. We're kind of just kind of interested to sort of explore that a little bit more. So you kind of, one of the examples you gave there is, yes, there are the kind of immediate things for, for team. And then there are other instances where, where clients might be bought in too. But if we were just to explore that idea that clients are buying good feelings and solutions, what would be some of those, uh, what would be some of those good feelings and or sort of solutions that you think that clients are buying? I think clients are facing the same the same um, challenges that we've already kind of talked about. So they are also going back to their office spaces and they're also going back to some form of hybrid working. They haven't probably seen their agency um, in person for a long time. Um, and so I think they are buying the same solutions that the agency is buying, which is getting the team together, making people feel thought about and cared for, thinking about people's productivity, thinking about people's wellness, physical and mental well-being. So I think it's the same thing. I think when you put them together in a room, then it's like, it can slightly be different. It might be more of a, I hesitate to say team building, but it, it, is, a, it, is, a, um, a connect, it is a moment of connection where they're all going through a, a similar experience um, and therefore something they can refer to afterwards. Hmm. Um, but even so, if you just take, sorry, go on. No, I just said just having had that experience together. Hmm. Um, so one of the things you're saying there around sort of team building, but I guess so uh, as a budget holder, which you've been in the past, mm-hmm. so I'm curious how you bought things uh, and how you made decisions on who you were buying, what you were buying, and how much of your budget you were willing to to spend. What was the sort of process you went through in terms of how you managed your budget? Um, well, I had there was a set there was a combination there was a central budget which was a group budget which I held and then there were individual agencies would have their own budget so I would look at what is the business need um, and also find out what do people need as well what are they interested in um, and then scope out a program around that um, so yeah when you're when you're holding the budget it is about business need it is about what do we think is needed. Um, in order for our people to be more effective um, and and then it's also some people might bring things to us like they might have a curiosity or a friend or a knowing or even themselves be a practitioner in something um, and we would help and support them do that so 
it would be to answer your question it would be business need first mm. yeah yeah and i'm curious so i i used to run an agency and so um from in terms of kind of selling to people who have a budget right so obviously it's some instances you kind of have you, in your instance you have some understanding of what the budgets are uh but of course the budget hold the person who is holding the money they in many instances will not want to share how much that they have spent. Obviously, you have some insight around that. Um, but I also know that even where somebody say, you know, says that there is a budget as the seller, so running an agency, that, that for me is a start point. So you have a budget, there is this. So you could do what you want for that, or you could invest and do this. Uh, and the thing that I would find in those dialogues is oftentimes... They may say the budget starts there, but actually the opportunity is to is to go here. And I'm kind of curious what your your view is about uh, what that might mean for you. I at where I'm at the moment, I can very much tailor a program depending on what the business need is. Um, and so. Yeah, that, that's really where I'm coming from at the moment. So I've done the taster program. I've got the content for that. And that's me. That's my content that I think will be useful. It's a combination of giving kind of scientific facts as well as a lived experience of the things that I'm talking about. So people go away with at least something that they can refer to. Um, and then there are different there are different ways that I can go uh, depending on what the business need is. So. I can, you know, we can do a two-hour workshop. We could do um, a number of workshops that do a build. So if they build that, they build, build knowledge. Um, we can do a four-hour workshop. So it's really um, depending on, yeah, what 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 I'm being asked um, as to then how I would price it. And that's kind of, I think, where I am at the moment in with my with my idea. Are you going to say something, Carlos? I just wanted to, uh, for the benefit of myself as much as anything else, but also people listening, just a little bit of a summary of the journey we've been on with this conversation, as I understand it. Um, there's uh, Ben asked, you know, how would you come up with a price? Uh, and the the kind of the two key answers that came out from me were time and participants. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Ben said, well, how would you value your time? And you have an idea of your salary and then you've broken it down into an hourly rate. Then he, you talked about budgets and, and as the budget holder, what you think about. Uh, and you said, okay, actually, it's the business benefit. Yeah. Yes. And so there's this other kind of number floating around, around budget. There was, there's three numbers in my head now. There's the how much you would like to, uh, how much you'd like to earn based on time and materials, mm -hmm. how much there's this budget that the company might have. And then there's this business benefit figure somewhere. Mm hmm. And so I just wanted to, say, to reflect on actually, on one level, you're talk, you can be talking about time and materials. And on another level, you can talk about what is the business benefit and value. Mm. So uh, for those of you, so just that's the arc that I think we're following here in terms of. And then you said about tailoring. Yeah. So there's tailoring a solution to a broad selection of clients. Yeah. And so there's no one price. Not at this stage, um, no. Well, uh, actually, maybe that's the next question. Is there ever just one price? I don't. I don't think so, because I think it also, you know, as I said earlier about, you know, what's the benefit for me as well? So the benefit for me engaging with someone with with an agency who might then say, you know, do you know what we've got? I know clients who would be really interested in this. So you give us. You know, if you give it to us for whatever, then, you know, so there, there's always, I think there's always going to be, I don't think there is going to be one price. I think there's always going to be a um, a, a consideration of uh, what the benefit is for both parties. I kind of, um, and thank, thanks for that summary, Carlos, because I think that, I think that, that, that was sort of uh, kind of neatly done and important to sort of encapsulate that. It, it, so I'm just going curious, even with the ones you're testing out now, so, um, Give me any sort of so kind of paint a picture of the sort of size and type of agency who you're going to do one of these first trial things with. So they're a creative agency and they're ten people. Ten people, yeah. yeah. 
And um, so what is there? And so what? there's like a sort of couple of million sort of pounds worth of sales going on there or sort of less than that? Um, to be really honest, I haven't, I didn't ask the founder what's your turnover. <laughs> but um, but yes, I would say probably that, that would be true. Um, and it's been, they've been established for about, I think about four years now. Mm-hmm. And um, so when you were to just sort of for the, Talk, talk me through the, the conversation that you had with them to see the idea, even if it's kind of going back over what you told, told me earlier. I'm curious, like, sort of connect where, where the kind of where the connection was in terms of kind of understanding of the problem. Yeah, so it's it's some so it's somebody within my network, um, mm-hmm. and I know that he runs uh, a, a wellness program for his people. For instance, mm-hmm. um, they do yoga as a team twice a month. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I thought that he would be somebody who would be open to this type of session. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did was I pitched it to him and his HR person um, and just gave them kind of an outline and gave them a bit of a lived experience of it, which they uh, said, yeah, that would be great. And then we got a diary date, um, mm-hmm. which is next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So on the understanding as well that it, it would be I would be very open with their people saying that this is something that you know it's a taster session it's something I'm trialing out it'd be great to get your honest feedback and mm-hmm. use some of the feedback as testimonials going forwards so mm. that you know, I was very um open and transparent and will be open and transparent with the participants of the um of the workshop as well about about my going with this mm-hmm. so I'm kind of curious though do you think that um that people would be uh, would not be honest if they were paying what felt like a kind of a kind of higher price what's the relationship between kind of honesty of feedback and what they're paying it's it's for me it's more about that i will be asking them for testimonials so Mm -hmm. that's where the honesty bit comes in it's like you know up front guys you know i i i expect you know I, i what i expect that there will be some feedback coming back and I don't I don't mind the quality of that feedback it's, it's but it's also you know it's also to be open about where I am on my journey with this mm-hmm. as well um that it's not a polished finished um article because it isn't or a session yeah. Or um yeah but yeah I think people are well I think people you know particularly if it's virtually virtual I think people are honest and um, they might be less honest to your face in person mm-hmm. But they don't know me, so why not be? You know, but it, it was more about it was more about setting up at the beginning of the session my my ask of them, I guess. Yeah, and so for a company like that, sort of ten people, what the, the kind of question which I uh, Carlos mentioned, you know, what, what's the sort of cost of not doing work like this? What would not change for them uh, as a, if this if this taster session if this this type of engagement didn't happen? Yeah, I mean, I think one is they have a wellness program, so it is content for that program. So mm-hmm. I guess you know, potential cost is you need to go. You know, you you kind of your people have an expectation of yeah. certain content on a regular basis. So then you need to go and find some other content. So I'm I'm bringing it to you, um, and I'm known to you. So I guess I have my you know not necessarily in this in this uh, environment, but I'm I'm known and have a reputation. So that's kind mm-hmm. of you should be in good hands. Um, and I get for the bit that actually the bit that was interesting that they went oh that's interesting that was when I talked about helping their people because they talked about oh we've had a you know we had some breath this guy come in and we did some breath work and whatever and I was like and great that's that's a great experience and what has anyone taken from it what are you now mm-hmm. using and they were like oh no it's just an experience and off they went again and I was like well. For me, it's about equipping people. It's about giving people tools so that in, they can then go away and use this themselves. It's not complicated. It's immediate. And mm-hmm. of course, the practice, you get better, but you certainly don't need to study and study and study in order to be able to do this work and feel the benefit of it. Mm-hmm. So for them, it was like giving, giving so the cost is not giving pe- their people a tool that they can use in real time, um, in reference to a client, in reference to a team um, experience. So that would be, I guess, the cost. Um, I just wanted to reflect on that because um, you talked about the cost of not going with you, for instance. Uh, you talked about content. So, you know, they're already doing yoga twice a month. 
So at the moment, in my eyes, that's immediately, okay, what does yoga cost? What do you cost? So that's one thing that springs to mind. And then in terms of loss, you know, what's the cost? What I actually heard there for me was um, time to find someone else. So what's the cost in terms of finding someone else? And the risk of getting the wrong person, what's the cost involved in that? And then the other thing that I heard there where you're talking about the benefits of learning a practice, mm -hmm. but I didn't hear you tie it to what you said before was the benefits to the business. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, I think I said that they, I would give people tools that they can use in relation to whether in their client, whether they're in teams, um, in their teamwork, et cetera. So that, that, that would be the benefits to the business, that it would help people to so say, uh, someone's about to do a presentation or they're in a presentation and they're stumbling and they're, they're, they're off their course or a client is particularly aggressive towards them and they're like floundering. To be able to bring yourself back to and ground yourself and then push through and win the business is, is, a, real, is a real win. So sales, client retention, customer service. Yeah. That for me sounds like a very clear business benefit that is a consequence of learning some skills. Yeah. And, that, and, there's, a, and there's a cost or there's a, there's a number potentially tied to that. Yeah. There's a big number if you lose that pitch. Yeah. yeah. That makes yeah. being able to not lose a pitch quite valuable. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think that's another workshop, isn't it? <laughs> Writing that one down. Oh. Yeah, I think that what Carlos is is kind of important because I think the the thing just sort of exploring in a sort of roundabout way everything that sort of Carlos is saying there because I think there's a number of things which are kind of happening which when you speak to people whether they are known people in your network or not in your network actually it doesn't matter so much is that there is a whole that you know what something is worth is a subjective thing. And yes, there is budget constraint, which determines to a degree what somebody is willing to spend, but only to a degree. So that's one level, the amount that somebody thinks that they have to spend. Then there is also how badly they want a problem solved. And so like using the example that sort of Carlos helpfully illustrated there, you know, if for an agency, whether you're an agency of 10 people, whether you're an agency of 100 people or whatever, if anxiety around pitch for example is you know a thing which a founder recognizes has been an issue clearly making that issue go away is a hugely important thing and so to the point around the the need there is always a problem of course that they want to go away and the problem might be relatively minor i.e i've got a wellness program and i need to fill it up with content but i i think you are doing yourself a huge disservice if that actually is the motivation that might be something which kind of tweaks the conversation. But the, the problems that you're solving, as Carlos kind of points out there, are potentially really material. And, you know, the, there's that one around pitches. There's the cost of talent retention, which you will know really well, and whether people are sick or stressed or going away or needing to be replaced. Because, of course, there's budgets to replace staff and all of these sorts of things. And the, I think the kind of point that sort of Carlos kind of made is that it's these things which are the real kind of motivators for people to act. And it's kind of less on the kind of stage maybe we are now where it kind of, it sort of what it, it sort of sounds a little bit like is you're kind of, you feel like you're asking a favor in some respects because you're going to people you know. And, you know, but actually you don't need to be asking a favor you're bringing to bear all of your kind of huge sort of expertise and experience in a really sort of powerful way and i think the connecting that to those things that they are actually you know the classic what's keeping them up at night the the kind of founder the owner and it might be this thing around pitching it might be a thing around talent it might you know any number of things of course but the the, the, the kind of challenge and the opportunity is to connect the work that you're doing yeah. to those things. Uh, and the more that you do that, of course, it, you open up this sort of spectrum of possibility where at the lower end is what you know the budget is likely to be. 
And then at the upper end is, well, what actually is the cost to them of solving that problem? And within that range is the kind of, is, is, is the kind of money conversation, essentially. Hmm. Yeah. Like that. Oh, you're muted, Carlos. Only on Crowdcast, not in life. <laughs> God. Uh, professional here. I told you this is amateur hour. Um, well, it's a reflection I have at a broader level of just the startup journey that I, I that springs to mind is um, there's this idea of like products, problem solution fit. So have I got a solution that actually solves a really valuable problem? And then there's product market fit. Do I have like a revenue model that's actually going to be sustainable and that can actually grow to a level that's going to be beneficial to me? Um, and you're at that stage, I think, of just the product market fit versus problem solution fit boundary. You're still trying to see, all right, what's the, like Ben, I think, was indicating there. There are problems around the practice. There are problems around understanding the content that you provide. But there's also problems around the the you know the customer and the and the business benefits that you are also trying to address, and there's this kind of dance that you're trying to see how do I match what I want to do to something that they understand. And I think the thing I'm trying to get across is like I believe sometimes we have an assumption that customers know how much something should cost, and actually the the shift that I believe Ben is trying to get across with a lot of the stuff that we're doing here and the the process was that it is incumbent on us to educate or help our customers understand the value of our work. They don't necessarily hold the number in their heads. What they do is they hold the wisdom of the problem. They know the understanding of their business. They understand exactly where they want to go, but they don't necessarily have a number that ties it to what you could offer them. So that's one thing that I think this, for me, is coming out of this conversation. You know a lot that they don't. And you can tease out a lot of the stuff that they, oh, God, yes, of course, it's worth that much, rather than actually how much is a yoga class and how much is Nicola going to cost? That, mm. I think, is really a challenging situation there. Um, and then the other thing I think I, I'm sort of, I learned from actually another person in our community called Alan, and, and this for me, it's like there's price and then there's cost. There's the, the number on the actual item and there's how much they actually pay. And so mm -hmm. just because you're going into somewhere uh, for the first time or you're just trying, you know, they don't know you are, doesn't necessarily mean the, t the number on the ticket has to be low. No. The number on the ticket can still be what you would love to charge, what you believe is the value, but then it's up to you to decide how much you're willing to let them spend on you, depending on the relationship, the quid pro quo, the feedback, the thing it is. But... I think for me, there's something around making sure that number is realistic based on the future benefit rather than this kind of initial transaction, if that makes sense. Yes. I think as much as anything, just as part of a, a consideration. But also, which was, if you're, I guess, what was the uh, holding group who you worked with? Abbas. Right. Okay. So with Havas, if you take, if you just take something we spoke about earlier, which was team building, right? So the amount that someone might spend on team building, if I had the Havas board together for two days, right? Versus if I have a team together for two days, like the, the cost of team building is hugely different because of the size of the problem and who's there. And so it's only worthwhile kind of remembering that just because of course you know that and everybody sort of, everybody knows that. But it, what that talks to is what's the cost of the problem? And you know, there is also expectation and it's have us board. And so there's kind of things that kind of go with that. But, you know, th there is no actual fixed price for things. It really depends. It depends completely on context. It, it depends completely on ability to spend. But ability to spend is tied to value. And all of these, you know, there's all of these other things which come together. And I think I just kind of come back to the thing that we're saying earlier is you have so much expertise and insight that actually these people running their businesses, you can help sort of unlock. It's That's the thing that is going to motivate people to buy this. 
over and over. And that's the thing which starts to point to what the value is. And that, of course, the thing around that is it's not to say, well, you know, if we do this, you're going to win 20% more pitches. And if you win 20% more pitches, that's another £400,000 worth of income. Therefore, you can pay me 40 and we're all happy. Because, of course, it's, you know, we know that things don't translate that way. But what the, there is still value in exploring that hard money stuff. Because as much of anything, it's a frame of reference. And you, to, to Carlos's words, your job, actually, anybody, all of our job when we are selling anything, which, of course, we all are, all the time. Our job is to educate the client and the customer to help them you know, connect what we can do to their problem. Mm. I like that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, if there are any questions in, uh, for people listening at the moment, please uh, feel free to share in, in the chat. Um, we had a, a, a couple of polls going um, while we're sort of talking. Um, there's a number of people, there's at least, yeah, there's four people here just trying to price a new product or service. So I, I do hope what we talked about now is going to be helpful to you. Uh, and thank you very much, Nicola, for just, you know, volunteering to just open up and, and talk about this stuff, because I think as well as benefit to you, we hope it's going to be a benefit to anyone who's listening because they will identify with this process. Um, and uh, we had a little thing, a little poll about, you know, how you base the cost of your service. And you know, a couple of people said time and Tobias has said value. Um, and I, I just indicate that because at the beginning you were talking about time and number of participants. And I, I feel like we got to a place where actually that shouldn't be the the starting point for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think no, I think what's what you know the point that's just been made about educating educating the, the person that, that's got the budget to actually what the value can be to their business and their people. That's the point. Yeah, rather than getting down to the detail of how many people are in a room and what the time cost is. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and so just to close, is there anything else that you uh uh want to reflect on or you're going to be taking away from this conversation? I think it's just, it's always reassuring. And I thank you, Ben, for hearing, you know, other people say, given that I'm at the beginning of my journey, for other people to say, look, you've got to look at your expertise and your experience and what you're bringing. And it's just really, I, you know, it's good to hear that because, you know, I can, I can forget that. Um, mm. So, um, yeah, that's that's good to hear. And, uh, yeah, thank you for the coaching. That was great, Ben. Really enjoyed it. Appreciate your time. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I think just on that, you're because you're not at the beginning of your journey. Uh, this one. This. this uh, yeah, but I think it's important, isn't it? Like, it's not divorced from the other one. No, it's not. <laughs> it's a continuation. And uh, that is a really important thing, particularly for people who run their businesses. You know, you want to be surrounded by people with kind of knowledge, experience and expertise that can help make those kind of, you know, insomnia inducing problems go away. Yeah, I know a good breathing exercise for that. I can help. <laughs> there you go. You see, <laughs> it reminds me of something on the course, Ben, that you talk about in terms of um, the different uh choices people make in terms of buying is like is, is time what were the five t's was it i can't remember team. the five t's yeah yeah and so one of them is team you know you pay for a particular person mm -hmm. and i think yeah. about that because there's something you know there, there there is a confidence that you can bring to the table because of you a being on the other side of the <laughs> sort of the, the fence b all of that wealth of experience so and maybe this is me just reading it the wrong way. So you don't need to be apologetic when going into a company saying, okay, can we you know, try this out? You know, I'd just like to get some feedback. It's like, I believe this, you can do this. This is how it's going to benefit you. First time though. So let's try it out with you because we're going to see, but it feels like there's a lot more behind mm. your work than just let's test this out kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I wasn't, I wasn't going in apologetically. No, nice. not at all. So. <laughs> Brilliant. yeah cool well um really appreciate you kind of sharing where you're at 
and and what you're doing. I'm looking forward to the landing page that will be coming going yeah. live soon. Yes, we can talk about that. Yeah, like technically, I just need a bit of help. It's cool. Well, we will, we will, we will, we can support you there definitely. Um, I think the, the last thing I thought I wanted to connect is like this idea of educating our customers into the value of the problem and understanding mm -hmm. the problem. Uh, and I think that starts well beyond we even actually talking to a customer. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is we're going to be talking about this on Thursday about this whole content creation piece. What con you know for people? Oh, you know, so what do we put on social media? What content are we creating? And like this real icky feeling like you know, no one's going to listen to me. For me, it lands like you know talking about these problems and talking about how they can be solved is a content strategy mm -hmm. because that is the thing that you can either refer people to in terms of they don't understand why this work is important or it, it's that initial building of trust and building of uh, understanding of the value you create, which then helps with the next conversations around, okay, what are we going to do and how much is it you're going to pay me? So um, yeah, I felt there's a there's a connection there, um, and this conversation, for instance, actually even this conversation, I understand a lot more about your work. Given even though you sent that stuff through in terms of a little brief, this has made it made it much more clear for me just hearing you talk about it in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Hey. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, have Thank a you. great rest. Well, I will see you later, Nicola. Well. Yes. We'll be uh, ceremonizing and graduation stuffing <laughs> later. And uh, thanks a lot, Ben. Really appreciate this. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Emma and Tim, for your comments. And, yeah, looking forward to, to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our Waking Up to Money podcast. We hope you found it useful. If you're new to this podcast and this idea of waking up to money, then you may be interested in our happy pricing manifesto and course. Go to our website at happypricing.co where you can download the manifesto and also get a copy of our happy pricing canvas. The manifesto is our declaration of what we believe is important for pricing well and pricing happy. The canvas is a tool to help you make sense of the prices you currently set and what you can do to price more methodically and confidently. Twice a year, we also run our Happy Pricing course, where you'll get the chance to learn more deeply the ideas we share on the podcast with the guidance and support of Ben and the cohort of like-minded peers who'll be doing the course with you. Please register to the course if you'd like to get alerted of when we're running it next. Go to the website, again, happypricing.co forward slash course. Also, please remember to follow us on Spotify and to share this episode and links to the podcast with any friends you think would find it useful. If you'd like to ask your questions live on our Waking Up To Money show, then register to our Crowdcast channel by going to ahappy.link forward slash waking up to money. See you soon.